Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Have you ever experienced burnout? It's a state of being that many of us have faced, are facing, or dread we will face in the future. It's a state of chronic stress, and it can be described as feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, spent, or just plain done. It can come up in many different ways and contexts, but it's something that any personality type can experience. We may wonder, is there a way to safeguard against getting to a state of burnout? Is there a better way to live? Today, we talk about how our theology has direct implications to how we navigate this issue. When we go to the Bible, we see how God has designed his people to live on this side of glory. And guess what? It doesn't include burnout. This Christian life is a race, and we can run it well at a sustainable pace with proper nourishment and rest. We really can run with endurance without burning out. Come join our conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us on another episode of Daily Grace. This is Joanna, and I am here with Stephanie. Hey, guys. So today, we are talking about something that we either probably have all faced or maybe we dread, (laughs) and that is burnout. Um, This can come up in a lot of different ways, a lot of different contexts. But before we dive into that, Stephanie, what is a favorite thing of yours from this week? Oh, man, my favorite thing was we had a break in like this long line of rainy days. And it's raining again today. But on Saturday, we had a little break and we enjoyed a family Mm -hmm. bike ride. So I was just glad for the reprieve from the rain, but also time to just get some fresh air with my family. How fun. Yeah, it has been super rainy. I know. Is this normal for Georgia? (laughs) Because I'm like perplexed here. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm surprised by the weather every year. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't matter what happens. I'm always a little bit surprised. But it's been a lot of rain and it's not the best for my mood. (laughs) I know. But anyways, what was a bright part of your week this week? Okay, so a bright part of my week, uh, about a week ago, I cut like eight inches off my hair. Oh, yeah. Because I just needed to. I cut my hair not often enough. I go at least six months between haircuts, Mm -hmm. usually longer. I think the last time that I cut my hair was before the summer, and it's now almost March. So I was just feeling like real pregnant, (laughs) and I needed to do something to feel fresh. Because, you know, at the end, it's like all that fits is sweatpants. And when your hair is all like long and damaged and broken, (laughs) you just kind of feel gross, frumpy. Can I say frumpy on Frumpy, yeah. (laughs) I get what you're saying. (laughs) And so the fresh cut was a great thing. I meant to say it looked really good the last time I saw you via Skype. Oh, 
I had just gotten it done that day. So you saw it very fresh. (laughs) It always does feel refreshing just having your hair done, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But anyways, we are excited to dive into this topic of burnout. I'm confident it's um, a familiar term to everyone in this day and age, maybe um, more intimately known to some of us who are type A. But, you know, I was thinking about how popular the topic of self-care is. And so I think burnout is actually something many of us are acquainted with, many many of us are wrestling with, um, or, you know, if we're not in the throes of it, we're probably tr- actively trying to avoid it. And as I was thinking about this topic, I found it so interesting how we focus on how to navigate the real issue of burnout by glorifying self-care. And mm. I actually didn't make the connection between self-care and burnout until I was like working through this outline. Um, yeah. But it's kind of like two sides of the same coin. Or at least like that seems to be our culture's take on it. And so Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to dig into this topic and see what the Bible has to say about burnout, because I really do believe our theology has direct implications to how we navigate this issue. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. It definitely is like a hot topic these days. Yeah. You know, we all talk about how we're increasingly busy and overloaded and working a ton or trying to do all of the things. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think this is necessarily a new thing. Maybe we just have new terminology (laughs) for it. True. Yeah, but when I think about burnout, if this is not a term that you are super familiar with, or maybe it is, I think about words like exhaustion Mm -hmm. or stress, being overwhelmed, feeling drained, tired, weary, spent, just done (laughs) if you've ever been there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was doing a little bit of reading about burnout and there's a ton of stuff all over the internet because it really is such a huge popular topic right Mm -hmm. now. And I thought it was really interesting that as I was reading up on kind of some of the symptoms of burnout, a lot of them are really similar to the symptoms of anxiety or depression. Hmm. Um, So, for example, A lot of articles talked about how burnout can cause you to lose motivation or interest in your daily activities, Mm -hmm. which sounds a lot like depression. Yeah. Um, Or it can cause you to be on edge, right, which sounds a lot like anxiety. Um, And, you know, it makes a lot of sense that these things could go hand in hand. And I don't want to say that burnout is the cause of anxiety or depression, Um, because those things are not always caused by having too much going on or not getting enough rest, right? There are so many factors that can go into anxiety and depression. And um, However, I think that it's definitely something that could contribute to anxiety and depression for some people. Um, So what we see either way is that burnout affects so much of your life. It really kind of just gets its roots into every area yeah, um, and really affects the way that we live. And, you know, I've had seasons of this where I did start noticing like physical symptoms of anxiety mm-hmm. that kind of came out of burnout. Yeah. Another interesting thing that I realized was a lot of these articles talked about how burnout can make you really cynical mm-hmm. or really negative. 
And that is definitely something that I have noticed in myself in these seasons when I've experienced burnout, just a general negativity and a general cynicism Mm. toward the world in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And that even, you know, overflowed into the way that I relate to God. Um, So I think this is an important topic. I think this is one that we need to take seriously and not just brush over because it really does affect our physical, emotional, spiritual, every part of our lives. Yeah, I've definitely been there as well. And I think you're right about how important it is for us to just have a good handle on what burnout is because it could be anxiety and depression. And sometimes it's not as easy to tell what's going on. And so just to have an awareness there and then also to see how the gospel applies to those different things. And yeah, I have experienced burnout. I've felt overcommitted and exhausted to the point where I struggled with sleep, kind of like you were saying, like you mm-hmm. had that anxiety where you couldn't even sleep. Yeah. Um, you're just so exhausted, but you just can't sleep. And, you know, I think another key factor for me when I think about burnout is just always being in a state of hurry. Like mm. I feel inside of me and probably I am living in this way, like life at a pace that is just unsustainable. So just having this feeling of hurry at all times. And, you know, I did some reading too. There is just so much. But one thing I found very interesting on psychology today was how they define burnout as chronic stress that leads Mm. to those feelings or states of being that we kind of mentioned. And I really, really like that term chronic stress because it implies that burnout isn't a state of being that we suddenly find ourselves in, right? It doesn't just Mm. come out of the blue. Um, I think if it's more sudden, then it's more likely that we're dealing with like a crisis, not burnout. Um, Mm. And it just reminded me that there is just such an insidious nature to burnout and we're all susceptible to it. It isn't relegated to a certain personality type. So yes, type Mm. B personalities can absolutely experience burnout. And, you know, this is just kind of a side note, sort of. But while I was thinking about burnout, I kind of thought of the old Simon and Garfunkel song, (laughs) Hello, Darkness, My Old Friend. (laughs) Um, Hello, Darkness, My Old Friend. Yes, I'm glad you sang it because I thought about singing it and I was like, we'll leave that to her. (laughs) But yeah, some of us can actually feel like burnout is just an old friend that's kind of always going to have Mm. this presence in our lives. Um, But here's where I'm preaching to my own heart, right? That that doesn't have to be the case. Mm, Um, Because when we go to scripture, we see God describe a way of living for his followers that doesn't operate out of a place of burnout. Yeah, and I think it's easy with topics like this that are so prevalent in our kind of cultural conversation to think of them as separate from the gospel, Mm -hmm. as something that we can deal with kind of on our own, in our own strength, follow this list of self-help to-dos and we can fix the issue. Yeah. But that's not going to work. And what we have to realize is that the gospel speaks to this area of our lives too. And you know, one thing that I think that burnout does is that it makes us keenly aware of our limits. You know, as much as we Mm -hmm. want to be people who are limitless, God made us with limits. And that's a good thing. Um, Because what it means is that we're dependent on him Mm -hmm. for everything. And he is the one who's the source of all good things. So we're actually more able to tap into the source of all of this goodness. Yeah. Um, And, you know, one of the clearest places that I think that we see our God-ordained limits is our need for rest and specifically 
our need for sleep. Mm-hmm. I was reading Psalm 127 this week, and verses 1 and 2 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. And here's the kicker. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Hmm. And man, that verse just hits me as I see like God's the one who's in control. God's the one who controls the results. And the gift that he gives us is rest. He gives us the gift of sleep specifically. And I love that it says who he gives that gift to. He gives it to his beloved, Mm. right? God gives us sleep, a very clear indication of our limits as a gift, Mm -hmm. out of love. And as much as I wish that I didn't need sleep, (laughs) we have to recognize that this is something that God has given us out of his love for us. Yeah. You know, I think we hear a lot about Sabbath and and rightfully so, but I don't think we recognize how kind God was in clearly stating in so many different places in scripture how important sleep is for our mm-hmm. well-being. Yeah. And it makes me think back to a quote that I shared by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones where he said, "You cannot isolate the spiritual from the physical for we are body, mind, and spirit." And mm-hmm. so, yeah, lack of sleep is a very valid Um, factor to consider in this discussion of burnout. Um, But we're not here to say, hey, you need eight hours of sleep every night to properly glorify God, because that might not be true. (laughs) It's different for all of us. Yeah, it could be possible. (laughs) The heart behind what we're trying to say here is God, according to his good design, has created us with limits in order to remind us of who we are in light of who he is. And that's really where our theology plays into this conversation, because our theology is our belief about God, which informs what we believe about ourselves. And so if we're struggling with burnout, we have to realize that there is this huge gap between our formal theology. So that means what we say we believe and our functional theology, which is how we're actually living. So Mm. if we want to overcome burnout, then we really need to work on closing that gap and aligning our functional theology with our formal theology. Mm, Yeah, that's such an important practice in every area of life, I think. True. (laughs) Examining like, hey, is the way that I'm living reflecting what I say that I believe? Exactly. And if not, what is it that I'm really not believing? Mm -hmm. What is it that I'm not understanding? And so, yeah, when we look at this issue of burnout, let's look at it from the perspective of our formal theology. We can look at the idea that God is infinite, Mm -hmm. right? This means that he is limitless. Nothing is ever too much for him to handle. There isn't anything that he cannot do. There is not any limit to his energy, his ability, his capacity, Mm -hmm. right? He is infinite without limits. That's half of it. Mm -hmm. The other half of it is we are finite, which means that we are limited. We have a limited amount of strength a limited amount of energy, which I can attest to right here at 36 (laughs) weeks pregnant. We have limited ability, limited capacity, right? So Mm -hmm. these are elements of our formal theology. God is infinite. We are finite. Mm -hmm. So when we look to our functional theology, what we see is that even though we might believe that that is true, a lot of us try to live as if we are infinite, right? We so want to be infinite. We want to be limitless. We want to be able to do it all. Mm -hmm. 
But burnout is evidence that we are not. Right. And here's how our formal theology makes its way into our functional theology. God made us with limits that cause us to be dependent on him. Mm-hmm. And that is a good thing because like I said before, God is the source of all that is good, mm-hmm. of all that brings joy and meaning and purpose and satisfaction. And so if we lived out our practical theology, we would then be depending on him, the source of all of those good things, instead of trying to draw from our own strength. Mm -hmm. And man, if that was the case, we wouldn't be experiencing burnout, right? Right. And, you know, we talk about this at length in episode 57, which is called The Beauty of Daily Dependence. And so I encourage you to go back and listen to that and kind of get more of an idea of what does that look like? How do we depend on him daily? Yeah. What what does that practically mean? Because we hear that all the time, right? Let's just depend on the Lord. <laughs> but it's kind of one of those things that just sounds like a Christianism that we don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. But we do talk about that at length in episode 57. But yeah, if we bridged the gap between formal theology and functional theology in this area, we would be depending on God instead of living out of a place of burnout. Right. And it's a daily dependence. It's a mm-hmm. daily like realignment <laughs> um, where that needs to happen because, yeah, I mean, we are just prone to wander and stuff. So don't feel like you're abnormal if you're um, feeling that gap. And we have to also remember that burnout is usually accompanied by other symptoms of drawing from our own strength, like anxiety and stress and prayerlessness and having a short fuse and all of those other mm-hmm. kind of symptoms. And and though our culture seems to talk a whole lot about self-care, it actually perpetuates a message that leads to burnout because our culture wants us to believe that we're capable of doing it all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course we know self-care is not the answer, right? And this is throwing it way back, but we talked about this in episode 13, self-care and the gospel. And Man, so, was that really episode 13? Yeah, I was shocked when I looked it up. <laughs> Sheesh, we've been doing this a while. I know. <laughs> but bottom line, Jesus is the answer. Um, but that was a good episode, so I would go back and listen if you haven't yet. <laughs> okay, so now let's talk about how we can keep our functional theology aligned with our formal theology. So practically, how do we live day in and day out, um, to avoid getting to the place of burnout? That's the question, Mm. you know, and those stress management systems and techniques to kind of alleviate anxiety are helpful. They actually don't get to the heart of the issue. Um, Plus, we're all so different. You know, we all have different circumstances and capacities. And so we're each going to benefit from different systems and techniques. And so what is more important to discuss now, which we will, is how can we practically tend to the core issue here of burnout in order to avoid getting to that state of being. Because like we said, like God didn't design us to operate in a state of burnout. So moving forward, I think a good framework here to use is the metaphor of a race that the Apostle Paul used to describe the Christian life. So in his last letter, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 7 that he fought the good fight and finished the race and kept the faith. And it's in other places in scripture, too, that this Christian life is a race and it's more of a marathon than a sprint. And so this means we have to consider a few things if we want any chance of finishing the race well. So here are a few factors. One, pace is important. How we nourish ourselves is important. 
How we exercise and put pressure on our muscles to get stronger and build endurance is important. How we rest and recover is important. And so all of these factors, um, we're going to kind of extend it to this discussion of avoiding burnout. And hopefully this is helpful. Yeah. So I know that I've mentioned this in a previous episode, but that idea of pacing in a race (laughs) is so important. And, you know, I will say when I first started running cross country in high school, Mm -hmm. I did not know a whole lot about pacing. And when you are standing there at the start line of a race and the gun goes off, Mm -hmm. the adrenaline kicks in. And let me tell you, people kick it into gear (laughs) and you just like go for it. And I did that at first and my running time suffered horribly. I may have had a really solid mile one time, Mm -hmm. but by the time that I finished, it was like, did I just slow down to half my speed (laughs) partway through the race? And my coach gave us some really good advice. She said, pace from the beginning, start out slow and let people pass you by. Mm -hmm. Be just happily let them run right on by you because they're going to end up slowing down (laughs) at the end. And That was really helpful, and it made a big difference in finishing the race well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, in a race, there are going to be uphills, and there are going to be downhills. There are going to be sprints to the finish line, but a lot of it is steady, even pacing, right? It's Mm -hmm. one step at a time, and every single one of those small steps adds up to bring you to the finish line. And I think that what happens with us in our lives is that we are tempted to sprint a lot more often than we should. Mm. There's a time and a place for sprinting. And that's true in our lives as well. There are seasons when we're going to need to be kind of kicking it into gear a little bit more. (laughs) But if we're honest, most of us live our lives in a pretty constant sprint until we crash. And that's because everything feels urgent right? We mm. we feel like everything needs to be done. It's, mm-hmm. it's so important right here in this moment. And so we have to ask ourselves, I think, as we examine our lives and look at the fact that we are trying to sprint through, what is necessary that I'm doing and what is not necessary? Yeah. Right? So we need to basically get our priorities straight because there are so many things that are going to be vying for our attention. There are so many things that are going to feel urgent if we do not have a proper idea of what is the most important and what isn't. Yeah. And, you know, I think that the only way that we can do that in a way that is consistent with what God has revealed to us in his will is by reading the word of God Mm -hmm. that shows us his revealed will. Yeah. And so as we do that, we start to see some things come up that are mandatory things in our lives, Mm -hmm. right? We see as we read scripture that one thing that's mandatory in our lives is that we are in relationship with God and communing with him through his word, Mm -hmm. right? And we can prioritize the word of God, right? He's the source of all good things. He's the source of all that we need. And we can't do anything apart from him, right? That's why Jesus tells us to abide in him because apart from him, we can do no good thing. And the way that we abide in him is through his word. Mm -hmm. We also see mandatory things would be, hey, if you're married, cultivating a healthy gospel-centered marriage is mandatory. That is something that is 
of the utmost importance and is a priority of the health of your marriage because God has told us in his word that marriage is to be a picture of the gospel. Right. Um, if you have children, taking care of them is one of your top priorities. This mm-hmm. is a mandatory thing that you need to do is care for the well-being of your children. Right. Um, being a part of a local body of believers and serving there in your church is something that's a top priority because God tells us that we are created to live in community with each other. So those are some examples of things that are mandatory. Some things that are not mandatory are serving in every single way in your church, Mm -hmm. right? Volunteering for everything, every event, every need. Um, It's also not mandatory to sign up your kids for five different extracurricular activities, right? right? Um, (laughs) There are so many things that we can think of as I have to do this because, well, it's my kids or it's my church, but sometimes we go past what is necessary and go to what is extra. I don't think it means that we cut out all the non-mandatory things, right? It's great for you to be able to take your kid to piano lessons, Mm -hmm. right? It's wonderful for you to be able to volunteer for that extra need in your church. But we do need to be wise in evaluating our time and how we manage it. Right. God's not going to command us to do things that sets us up to... um, kind of fail, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's not going to call you to serve in ministry in a certain way at the expense of your marriage kind of thing. So just realizing that he provides um, when he calls you to something and they're not going to conflict with each other. And so another thing I think that can kind of blur the lines between um, just the mandatory and more voluntary extra is when we begin to find our identity in in the wrong places, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, when you mentioned kids, yeah, I think about how we are called to care for them and discipline them. But if we begin to find our identity in being a mom, then we're going right. to look to our kids and how they perform and behave um, to kind of give us meaning and purpose and self-worth. And honestly, mm-hmm. they can't bear that burden. <laughs> and we'll just find that we're just pushing ourselves, pushing them, Um to prove something um, to ourselves. And it's really going to come at the expense of our children. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, misplaced identity is really common. And, you know, I even think of um, how many believers kind of tend to define ourselves by the work that we do, right? Just Mm -hmm. thinking about how I reply when someone asks me, you know, like, who are you? What do you do? And, you know, I'll often say, hey, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a podcast co-host, a writer. Um, We may even say like, yeah, I'm a Christian. But I was thinking about this, like, do we ever find ourselves saying, I am a disciple of Jesus. And because I'm in Christ, I am justified by his grace. I'm sanctified. I am hopeful. I am a new creation. I am a daughter of God. I am the recipient of every spiritual blessing. I am his workmanship created for good works. And I am called to a holy calling and I am strengthened by grace. There's a conversation starter, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by the way, I will give all of those scripture references there. Um, but, you know, it's I'm not saying that we have to list all of our <laughs> spiritual blessings in Christ to <laughs> someone who asks us. Um, that would be a good conversation starter. Um, <laughs> But what I am saying is that it does challenge us to have a level of gospel fluency that allows us to see ourselves correctly. Mm. And it safeguards us from playing into the cultural narrative of life kind of being the survival of the fittest. And Mm. many of us 
do have to have rhythms of confession where we repent from living out of that perspective, right, for buying into that cultural narrative. And like you said, Joanna, we need to have a firm understanding of what God tells us is necessary in his word. And, you know, another thing that we need to acknowledge is that the health of our bodies affects the health of our souls. You know, that may sound weird if that's the first time you've ever heard it, but, you know, God made us body, mind, and soul. And, you know, this doesn't mean that our salvation is dependent on how much sleep we get or what our diet is, but it does mean that God created us in such a way that how we're tending to our physical bodies is of concern. And so I'm going to pull a popular verse here that everyone has probably heard of, Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, you know, many people may see that verse and see it as an invitation to do all the things and neglect basic physical needs like food, rest, and sleep. Mm. But when we ignore the limitations that God has given us, like sleep, then what we're actually communicating is that we don't trust God. And we don't really respect how he has ordered things. Mm. And so, yeah, our physical and spiritual healths influence each other. And if we're not tending to our physical needs, then our bodies are going to be weakened. Um, And it's going to just weaken our minds and our wills. So we just have to be aware of that. So just a few examples to kind of show this. Like think about it. When you're sleep deprived, your ability to make wise decisions is severely impaired. My ability to make Mm. wise decisions is hampered um, when I'm really sleep deprived. And you know what? When I am sleep deprived, my propensity to sin is really heightened um, because I think when I'm tired, I'm more likely to snap mm. at my kids or my husband, and I'm more likely to put my preferences in front of others. And so there is this connection between our physical and spiritual and emotional well-beings. Yeah, that made me think about this article that I read recently by Tim Challies, where it was a really practical article about marriage and just like some really practical advice. And one of the things that he said is like, hey, If you are having a disagreement with your spouse and it's after 10 o'clock, you guys just need to agree to go to bed (laughs) and try again tomorrow because you are not going to be able to think clearly when you're tired. You're not going to be able to necessarily make the best decisions in the way that you speak to each other or care for one another Mm. when you're tired. So get some sleep. It's true. Get some perspective and try again tomorrow. I'm like, man, that's actually pretty freeing (laughs) and something that we should probably be implementing. That is great advice. And I think of like mom brain. I mean, we laugh at that, but it's a real thing. (laughs) Totally a thing. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, one thing that you mentioned, Stephanie, kind of at the beginning of what you were saying was this idea of our identity being in the wrong place, finding our mm-hmm. our value, finding our worth in the wrong place. And, you know, I think a lot of times when we hear this term burnout, we hear it in terms of our careers, you know, like a lot of people are like, oh, I have burnout in my job. Or maybe if you're a stay-at-home mom, it's like feeling burned out from being a mom. Yeah. Um, but whatever kind of your career is, And, you know, I've just been thinking about how it is our tendency, at least in kind of our American culture where we are, to believe that our job or whatever it is that we're doing, Mm -hmm. whether it's 
being a stay-at-home mom or is working outside the home, that's the thing that's meant to give us meaning. That's meant to give us purpose. Like this is the place where we are supposed to do something meaningful with our lives Mm -hmm. in our jobs. And that is just so not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that our primary calling is to glorify God and our value and our meaning and our worth doesn't come from a specific career that we do perfectly. And so what ends up happening, I think, is it makes us really restless and it leads us to burnout in our careers or in our parenthood or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. because we are thinking this is supposed to be the most fulfilling thing and it's not happening. Hmm. Yeah. Um, And that's not even the place that we're supposed to be looking. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that burnout produces this cynicism and this negativity. And I think that that's really connected to this idea of having our identity in the wrong place. Mm. Because if we are hoping in the wrong thing, then we're going to come up disappointed. Yeah. And what we're going to end up feeling is there is nothing I can really hope in. Yeah. There's nothing that's going to actually fulfill me. And if we're hoping in anything other than Christ, then we're right. It's going to cause that cynicism and that negativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think back to our episode, episode nine. We're throwing it back early days. To, but our, <laughs> our episode on our identity in Christ. And when we have that in the wrong place, then things are just going to be completely out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, another thing that I think that we need to do practically to kind of prevent this state of burnout, if we're not there already, is acknowledge that God grows us in different seasons. So I think it's important for us to know, like, some seasons are just tough. Yeah. We are going to have to run harder in some seasons. There are seasons of sprinting. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's the season I'm about to be in with a newborn baby Or it's just those early years of parenting, or maybe it's finals week in college or high school, or maybe it's when there is a health crisis that comes up in your family. There are going to be times when life is busier. It's like how in a race, you're going to hit an uphill Mm -hmm. every once in a while. And you know, one thing that I remember a very specific race where there was this big uphill coming and at the top of the hill it came back down Mm -hmm. and you had a downhill and my coach told me she said hey listen you need to push harder on the uphill and sprint on the uphill and then you can rest on the way down Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought that's so counterintuitive because I kind of want to collapse (laughs) but sometimes we do have to run a little bit harder and I think that what's so important in those seasons is that we are intentionally taking time to rest as well. Yeah. Yes, we sprint and then we take time to recover. Right. And, you know, that might look like a weekly rhythm of some kind of Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's important for us to realize in those seasons, like, hey, there's a difference between burnout and fatigue, Mm -hmm. right? Being tired isn't necessarily a bad thing. That's true. There are seasons of your life where you're probably going to feel pretty perpetually tired. But if we come to God in dependence, the one who is the source of life, the one who is the well of living water, 
then we can be tired without being wearied. Yeah. We can be physically exhausted, but spiritually strengthened. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think we need to step back and say, hey, tired's okay. Tired might be a sign of just working really hard, but who are we coming back to for our strength? Yeah, and replenishment. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I've definitely experienced life seasons that were more like uphills, right? There are some circumstances that are seriously tough and can really feel like heavy weights on our physical, emotional, and spiritual muscles. Um, But, you know, thinking of our muscles, like the extra weight is what causes them to get stronger. Um, The extra pressure is is helpful in in some ways. And but no matter our life circumstances, you know, we can still live in a way that acknowledges God's good design. Right. It's not a forever uphill. And Mm -hmm. he gives us something that helps us in this. And And you mentioned it, Joanna. It's the Sabbath. Um, We can have a whole episode on the Sabbath. Um, Maybe we will at some point. But Mm -hmm. the point we want to make right now is that the Sabbath is good. It's a gift from the Lord and it can be observed no matter what life season you're in. And the thing is, the heart of the Sabbath isn't hard, fast rules, right? It's actually just having a regular rhythm of rest, more specifically like one day of rest every seven days. And this is found in Exodus 35, 1 through 2, where Moses um, assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day, you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. And I picked this passage in particular because it says it clearly, right? The Sabbath is holy. It's set apart. It's a time to rest from the hustle and a time to intentionally pause and marvel at who God is and and what he has created. It's it's really about worship and about loving God. And we're called to follow the example that God set forth for us in creation, right? He created the world in six days and then rested on the seventh. And this is God. He is infinite and all-powerful, yet he chose to rest. Not that he was um, weary in any way, but really do see it as that he was setting forth this example of how his image bearers should image him and glorifying him in this way, right? He blessed the day because it was a day where his people could turn holy to him. And so I think a simple way to think of Sabbath is ordering our day in a distinct way that acknowledges that the world doesn't depend on us. And instead, we turn ourselves in such a way to the one who does hold the world together, right? In our rest, we are actually declaring our trust in God's sovereignty and provision and providence and design. And so we're not getting into the particulars because rest can look differently for each of us. Um, More than exactly what we do or don't do, the point is that our hearts are turned to him. Our hearts are delighting in him and we're worshiping him. So that could kind of be the standard for rest, right? Like, is this, whatever it may be, turning my attention to him and causing my heart to rest in him and delight in him? Um, Like corporate worship. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That turns our attention and our hearts to him and stirs our affections for him. And what we'll find is that, you know, as we rest and as we delight in him, we'll, we'll be combating stress and worry and anxiety so it doesn't get to that chronic state that leads to burnout. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much debate 
in the Christian world about whether or not Sabbath is something that's required. Yeah. And we don't want to get into all that. No. <laughs> but what we will say is that God did give this rhythm of rest as a gift. Mm-hmm. And whether or not it's required, it's something that will be good for us. Yeah. Um, I really liked and appreciated the way that Kevin DeYoung talked about this in a book that I recently listened to called Crazy Busy. Um, And I love the subtitle. It says, a mercifully short book about a really big problem. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) you can't really have like a long book called Crazy Busy. Nobody would read it, right? Right. (laughs) But he talks about this idea of taking this Sabbath rest and just the the gift that it is to Mm, us. Yeah. And, you know, I think an important caveat for us to have is that rest isn't just the culture's idea of self-care, right? Rest isn't just taking time off of work and going to get your nails done or, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel rejuvenated. Like you said, Stephanie, Sabbath rest is turning our hearts toward God. Mm, Yeah. And so it is resting from our work as we focus on him, but it's not just a day of doing nothing. Right. It's a day of intentional rest and intentional worship. Mm-hmm. And that's where we find ourselves filled and our souls replenished and restored. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. That's when we're going to experience true rest anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, when I think about the Sabbath in my life, um, this is kind of why I do think of those stress management systems and techniques that I mentioned earlier that might not be helpful to get into. Um, but I, I just bring it up to say, like, I do use those systems, but I use them to protect my Sabbath. Mm, and yeah, not like as an end in themselves. Yes. So I'll come up with a plan that can be done in six days, Monday through Saturday for me. That will leave my Sundays open for that unhindered rest and worship, you know, so that it's Mm -hmm. not this day where I just pick up the slack. And so, you know, we may find that it may take some trial and error to find a system that works. It did for me. And, you know, even now my system never works perfectly week to week. But what Mm -hmm. I do want to share is that as I began to observe and enjoy the Sabbath, it got easier. And I realized that, yes, this is true rest. When I am intentionally turning my heart to worship him, that is where I'm finding true rest. And yeah, God is in control and the world is moving on just fine. Also, I experienced the blessing of um, just even working better the other six days because of the Sabbath. So it is a gift and it is good for us. Yeah, and I think that you're right that those systems can be really helpful. And this can be a very wise and godly thing to do Mm -hmm. to make sure that we are managing our time well so that we don't end up just wasting away time and then having this urgent rush that fills up the time when we can be resting. Yeah. Um, I would like the book Do More Better by Tim Challies. Mm -hmm. Um, That's another one that he really gets super practical about even like how to use task management software Mm -hmm. and how to organize your email inbox and use your calendar or your planner. And it's so practical, but it's not practical just for the sake of being practical. It's practical for the sake of getting to the heart of what matters. 
Um, and so I would highly recommend that book. If you're looking for some of those systems to implement, not for the sake, like we said, of just trying to have stress management, but for the sake of being able to focus on the things that matter and being able to make space yeah. for that rest. Yeah. Another thing that we need to do, which I feel like it wouldn't be a Daily Grace podcast episode if we didn't say this, <laughs> preach the gospel to yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> So here's the thing. We need to realize as we look at our lives, as we look at the busyness and the things that need to get done and the things that lead us to burnout, the gospel tells us that we don't have to prove anything by our works. Mm -hmm. Any good work that we do is only Christ in us. (laughs) It's not us. And we don't earn our value or our worth based on our performance. It's given to us based on Christ's performance. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have to have this pressure of feeling like we have to prove ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can preach that to our hearts and we are tempted to think, I have to do this and this and this and this, and I have to do it perfectly or else I am not as good. Mm-hmm. I don't have as much value. I don't have as much worth. And you know, as I was thinking through this, I know I mentioned earlier Psalm 127, and this passage has really been something that ever since I really studied it a few days ago, God has been bringing back to my mind over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I want to reread those first few verses that I read before. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, Mm. for he gives to his beloved sleep. And the thing about this passage is it's not saying that we don't build the house. It's not saying that we don't watch over the city. It's saying that as we do the work, God is the one who actually produces the results, Mm. right? Unless God builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Mm. And so what that means is that we don't have to eat the bread of anxious toil, as this passage says. As we work, as we live faithfully and walking in obedience to God's commands and living our lives in a way that honors him, Mm -hmm. we can actually sleep. We can rest instead of staying up awake at night, tossing and turning, waking up early out of this anxiety that we are the ones who are controlling the result. And if we don't go a hundred miles an hour all the time, everything's going to fall apart. Yeah. And so it's not that we stop working. It's that we rest in him. Mm-hmm. He's the one who controls the results. Mm. He is the one who does the work in us. And so we can work faithfully alongside of him. And then we can rest and we can truly rest yeah. knowing that he is the one who produces the results. And that's been so, so just meaningful to me over the past week Um, It's been meaningful to me specifically when I consider my parenting. You know, the rest of that psalm goes on to talk about children, and it seems really out of place. But really, isn't this kind of our struggle, those of us who are parents, of thinking that we are the ones who determine our children's well-being and where they go in life and (laughs) how they turn out? And this passage is telling us, like, hey, the Lord's in control. 
you can rest. Mm. He is the one who produces the results. And man, I have just been brought to tears more than one time this week, um, (laughs) just thinking and being blessed by that verse. But we can rest knowing that it's not up to us. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, you know, in that too, we can also just combat this tendency that we have to want to please people. Mm. We have to remember that as we are working, as we are doing these things, the ultimate goal or the finish line of the race is not that other people would look at us and say, well done, but it is God and his glory. Yeah. And so we can reorient our minds around that, knowing that he is the one who will bring it about. Man, even now, my heart is stirred. You know, the gospel never gets old. And mm. we do bring it up often because we need to preach the gospel to ourselves like every day. And and that's how we align our formal theology with our functional theology every single yeah. day. And, you know, I really do think that when we experience burnout, it really does show how we've been believing in a false gospel, right? And it shows Mm -hmm. us what our idols are. It could be work, affirmation, productivity. And this is why even believers who are in full-time vocational ministry can experience burnout. Mm -hmm. This is kind of like the labor and toil that you were talking about, but you know, we could do good work for the Lord, but forget that he has already done the work and he's the one who produces the fruit and, and brings the growth. And so we just can't forget that he offers saving grace and he also offers us sustaining grace. And we're invited to depend on his sustaining grace like moment by moment. And Mm -hmm. depending on his grace is what helps us combat burnout. And, you know, just thinking about Hebrews 12, one through two, where it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And this is just such an encouragement to me. It's that, you know, no matter what the race set before us looks like, we have to remember that the key to running with endurance is fixing our eyes on Christ and Mm -hmm. setting before us just the glory, which is just perfect communion with him. And so that is how we run this race and finish it well. Yeah, that makes me think of that hymn that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So when it comes down to it, when we get to the heart of it, preventing burnout is about fixing our eyes on Christ, looking to him in all these ways that we have mentioned. Well, we hope that this has been helpful. And we also know that for a lot of us, we are already in a place where we are experiencing burnout. And because of that, we are actually releasing a really short little bonus episode tomorrow talking about, okay, well, what do we do if we are already there? This is great to prevent it, but some of us are in the thick of it. So tune in tomorrow to listen to that episode. It'll just take a few minutes. We really want to walk through just a little bit of how we can address that issue if we're already there. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to check out our show notes at dailygracepodcast.com. And we will talk to you tomorrow and then once again next Tuesday.